Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 358. Okay, so there's some static throughout today's episode. I'm aware of it. We're working on it. But the show must go on. Here it is. I'm sorry. Uh, From that is like we have a code of conduct. We perform at a certain level, right? And you do certain things. That's all. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Yo, guys, what if I told you I found a menu that's made from paper that's waterproof and rip proof? This thing is basically dirty proof. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, get me some of that. Uh, I hate cleaning menus, but you can have this menu. It's called Terra Slate Menus, guys. You'll get 15% off if you use promotional code UNSTOPPABLE at checkout. So what are you waiting for? Head over to TerraSlatePaper.com. Hey, guys, would you like to know the exact marketing strategy a restaurant owner used to generate over $36,000 in sales from just $400 in Facebook ads? Would you like to know how a bar owner doubled her Tuesday night business in just four weeks for just $50 a week? Go to freebrsbook.com right now and get a copy of the industry's number one selling marketing and promotion book, Bar and Restaurant. Restaurant success. This book reveals the step-by-step marketing plan that created these results so you can apply them in your own business. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Rudy Mick. Rudy, you've been here before, but I'm going to ask anyway. I know you know what's coming. Are you feeling unstoppable today, my man? Dude, I am unstoppable every day. <laughs> yes. yes. That is what we like to hear. So Rudy Mick began working in the restaurant industry at the age of 15, was a partner of a restaurant by the age of 24, and has been consulting for the last 40 years. Mick's work has pivoted to focus on successful startups, performance improvement, and the growth of restaurants, resorts, and other food service operations. So like I mentioned, Rudy was on the show once before. That was episode one. 81. If you want to get his story, you want to learn more about him, uh, gather some more advice from him, I do suggest checking out that episode. Today, we're here to get some Q&A done. We've had writers, or listeners writing into us, and uh, today we're going to lean on Rudy to get his expertise to answer some questions. But before we do that, let's get the motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. Take it away, Rudy. My success quote or my mantra is, I wonder how many of our employees walk, wake up in the morning and go, I can't wait to go to work. <laughs> and why is that your mantra today? Because wouldn't it be exciting if every one of them said, yes, I'm so stoked. I am unstoppable, to use your word. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to go to work. I, what I see around the country and why it is a mantra What I see around the country is so many people reaching out and finding, asking me, how do I find the right people? How do I motivate my team? What keep, how can I get people inspired? And 
I think there are action steps to create that inspiration, but just having a job isn't enough. It just isn't enough. And a good job is great, whatever good job means, but the ability to define purpose, the ability to realize that my work has a bigger impact than just the job itself and to be inspired by leaders, that is what excites me to go to work. Awesome. Otherwise, I'm just going for a paycheck. Awesome. I love it, man. I really do. What a great way to get this thing started. And um, I, before we dive into the questions, uh, why I wanted to get Rudy back on the show, uh, this guy truly is a mentor. I recently had the, the pleasure of meeting up with him in person in Chicago. And uh, while I was out there, it was my first ever opportunity to uh, speak in front of a stage of people. And I got to be honest, it was it's what they say is like always do something that makes you uncomfortable, right? Get used to living in that stage uh, of being uncomfortable. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's my motto as of the past couple of years. So I went out to Chicago to moderate at the Foodable IO conference. I was nervous. I was almost crapping my pants up there. Uh, and I think I was in my head a little bit. But uh, I remember afterwards coming up to Rudy and uh, asking him, how do you think that went? And uh, you were truly a mentor to me, Rudy. You really did take your time to offer me some, some great feedback. And uh, this guy's the real deal. Uh, and that's why I want him back on the show. And uh, just so I wanted to say thank you for taking that time to offer me that, that feedback and to, to kind of pick me up. Even though I, maybe I didn't fall, but I felt like I did. But you were awesome. Well, you did a great job, and I, I'm touched by your appreciation, so thank you. All right, let's roll into these questions, Rudy. Uh, so the first question I have is, how do you handle older staff, uh, let's say mid-40s, dating younger staff, we'll say late teens? How do we handle a situation like that? <laughs> Hire differently. No. Uh, wow, it's a great question. You know, the, the question begs, what's a teenager going out with a 40-year-old in the first place? Yeah. Right? It's a tough one, though, because, like, legally, over 18 years old, what can sure. we do about it? And who are we to say anything? But, uh, I mean, is there an underlying issue? Like, what's your answer to that to that question? Like, what do we do about so, that situation? Well, so, in, in all seriousness, um, restaurants, hotels, are the resort industry, the hospitality industry is an industry of passion. Mm -hmm. Right. It, it just is. So and, and speed and just a lot of uh, exuberance. I don't know for for me, the answer to your question is as simple as from a from a very just pragmatic place. I have no capability to say even if we've made a policy that said there's no dating, it's almost impossible to uphold. Yeah. So real, the real criteria, and who are we to say that somebody can't make a relationship work? Mm -hmm. So from that perspective, the one place that there is real propriety, I think, is in direct reporting. Is in, are we working in the same department? Does one person report to another? Uh, in, in that sort of event, it's a very logical, very pragmatic capability to say, Two people in a uh, private relationship cannot or should not report to each other. Short of that, unless job performance is impacted, there's nothing really to do legally. Yeah. So it's tough. It's definitely a gray area. And I think it comes back to what you first said is, uh, who are you hiring? Um, are you getting that sense about this person 
this this forty year old? Do they seem like the kind of person that will be making passes on a, a younger person? But at the same time, well, like it could go, it could go the other way. Like older, well, young. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. You're correct, but then that's right on the edge. The example that you just gave us is right on the edge of harassment. Mm or potentially hostile work environment. Mm -hmm. So this then goes back full circle to what are the values of our community? What are the values of the workplace in which I'm working and performing? And how do we treat each other with respect? So whether I'm 20 or 40 or any age in between more or less, if I'm somebody that's hitting on people, what kind of a safe workforce is that? Mm -hmm. So how to be playful, flirty, I suppose, is one thing. Crossing a line or having it be to a place of harassment uh, is absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, That that is unacceptable. So we have a, a phrase of being, how do I be kind rather than being nice? So we speak from data. We're talking about ages. We're talking about tone of voice. We're talking about word choice. We're talking about body language, touching, whatever kind of pieces. So from a very, again, I will use the word pragmatic place, if two people mutually agree to go out or to date or to have a relationship, that's in fact out of my control. If it in fact is even on the edge of harassment, that's a completely different story. Mm-hmm. So in this circumstance, when it seems like there's consent, how is that different? So with consent, what I have is the ability as an owner or a manager to say or to alleviate any possibility for a conflict of interest. So do I report directly to you? Do I turn my money into you? If, if, If it's dealing with money, if it's dealing with process or direct report, I would say shift the responsibility, shift one person to a different department, shift one person to a different restaurant, whatever. But that is the price of having the relationship. Mm. So if I don't now go back full circle, do I have a handbook that is explicit? Do I have rules and regs that are and guidelines? Do I have values that support treating each other with dignity and respect and treating the company with dignity and respect in a way that if, if two people mutually agree, consensually agree to have a relationship, bravo to them. The second it impacts the coworkers or the company, that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Okay. So basically what I'm hearing from you is set yourself up from day one to be able to handle a situation. Be proactive. Don't let that situation take control, take control of that situation before it happens. And, and have the conversation about relationships and harassment day one of employment Mm -hmm. in, in orientation, in team member meetings, talk about this. All right. As opposed to not, oh my God, I can't bring it up. Oh no, you need to bring it up. Okay. I think we spent enough time on this one. Uh, great advice there. And we're going to move on to the next question, which is, uh, on drugs. Um, and these are real questions. So we're going to, to me, as soon as I hear that word drugs, it's like back to like, what's your culture? Like, what are you accepting? Like, anyway, I'll read the question. Drugs, uh, 
in the workplace, people using the pen to smoke or get high at work. Um, I, 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 Rudy and I haven't talked yet, so this is like we didn't like discuss a game plan. So I don't want to like say anything prematurely. So I'm gonna let Rudy take it and see what his advice is before I, I chime in. Well, I'm pretty old school with this. So, and uh, we are based in Colorado, so I'll make a 420 joke on that one. <laughs> and and, uh, and I'm also a child of the 70s, so drugs are not uh, some big unknown piece. The other, the other reality is that we work in a very addictive industry, mm-hmm. right? We work with liquor already. We work with high-intensity high speed. It takes most people, most bartenders, most servers that are working cocktails or, or in busy restaurants, it takes three or four hours to quote unquote come down off a shift anyway. So we, we work in an industry that by its nature is addictive. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if it's just I'm touch. This is the first job I've ever had where I have a family. I feel like I've got family around me. So name the addiction, right? In terms of in terms of getting high at work, whether it's a pin or a, a, a dab, a pinch, or you name it, a snort, whatever, or even a, a swallow, a drink, like right? yeah, exactly, exactly. Where you know, from an operator place, I've seen so many restaurants go down because the profits go down the owner's nose or throat, right? It's so sad. Mm-hmm. So where's the discipline? Yeah. From, yeah. from a team member place, is it okay? Well, number one, it's illegal to do in a public spot. So unless, unless I've got a private club and the owner says absolutely drink or puff with the guests as part of the experience in a private club. That would be the one exception. Mm-hmm. And even that I would think is exceptional in yeah. this in the, in 2017. But in any other any public quote unquote space, frankly, it's illegal. Mm-hmm. So right? I number that's number one. Yep. Number two from a very liberal position I don't care what you do after work, but come in straight and leave straight. Yeah. You know, the kind of the, the way I look at this is, would you go to work drunk? Um, if you wouldn't go to work drunk, why would you go to work stoned? Uh, you know, it's just one of those things like there's a time and a place. Um, and for me, it's like, it kind of all goes back to culture. Like what kind of establishment do you want to be? And if you let it fly one time, that's the culture that you're, Culture isn't something that it, it, it's it's always present. It's it's what is. It's the reality of the situation. So if you're letting it happen, then that's your culture. You're accepting it. You're allowing it. That's your culture. So don't right. let it happen. Make it your culture that we don't do this. And as soon as it happens once, I think you know zero zero tolerancy. But at the same time, there is a part of the people in this industry that do care uh, about their staff, and they it's the people who are successful that are willing to be there for the staff. You know, not like totally shut the door, but like, hey, man, don't come back until you're ready to come back sober. Um, And I'm here for you to get there if you need me to. But you can't be here drunk or stoned at work. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, this is going to be some of your listeners will not agree with what you're saying or what I'm saying. Uh, and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, to your point, culture is choice. Culture is language. Culture is our behaviors that we allow. Mm -hmm. So whether we celebrate or don't, if we allow the behavior, that is the culture. Yeah. So that's, there's the onus and the ownership. And if I'm, I'm making up the story that if one of your uh, listeners has sent in this question that they're presuming uh, they don't want this going on, and yet how do I control it? How I control it is by being clear mm -hmm. with my team. Hey, you guys, I don't care what you do after work. And whatever the window is before work, would I have a beer? Would I would I toke one choke a fat one up, or would I blow a pin? Whatever no, whatever nomenclature, whatever my drug of choice is, if I expect my team to be straight during work, then be straight. Mm -hmm. it, and if my choice is to not, and it impacts work, then so be it. That's on me. Got you. I, um, so. I mean, it kind of reminds me of uh, when I so I was a commercial pilot for a while, and there's an eight-hour rule, eight-hour bottle the throttle. So essentially, yeah. eight hours before work, like you need to be sober, or uh, we'll just use the word sober. Uh, but what about when somebody has a prescription and they need to say they have a prescription for anxiety? Like, how do you, can you make? Should you make exceptions? The prescription piece is a great piece, and uh, the ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act would be a really interesting um, scenario to ask about. I would, um, frankly, then this goes back to a job description pre-hire. And if I want no drugs in the workplace, that's listed in the job description. And the magic question with the job description is, is there anything in here I am unable to do? Mm -hmm. And if one of the job description criterion is, to come in clean and sober, then if I am on a prescription, I need, it's my obligation to tell you as my potential employer, well, I'm on a prescription. Well, I'm unfortunately, I can't allow you behind a hotline if you're high. Mm -hmm. I can't allow you out on, on uh, a bar floor or on the dining room floor high. I just, I can't. Legalities. Can't do it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So that precludes me. Now, if it's no big deal to somebody, some other worker, that's another thing. From a marijuana place, CBD is a very different proactive ingredient than THC. What's right? CBD? THC. I don't even know. Like, I'm not yeah, much so, of a... CBD, so CBD <laughs> – I'm from Colorado, dude. So <laughs> I'm CBD not suggesting is, Rudy is. Uh, I'm just not, so – uh, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Oh, but, well, the reason I bring it up, not to get too specific, somebody may have a prescription for CBD. CBD is a non-psychoactive ingredient okay. Okay. of cannabis. THC is psychoactive. So if the prescription is psychoactive for THC, uh, no, I'm not going to accept that. CBD, no problem. Okay. That's fine. Come on in. Okay, okay, cool. That would be the example. So, I mean – it sounds like overarching what I'm hearing is uh, first and foremost, uh, it's illegal. You can't let people be under the influence and be working on a hotline or serving or there's legalities in the way inhibiting that to happen. Uh, but also it comes down to uh, your 
operations manual and what what policies you have in place. And if you want to protect yourself, get those policies in place and get them to sign and agree to uh, th- those policies before it, it's an issue. Yeah, exactly. And there are procedures, uh, principles. I, I prefer principles and values much okay. more over policies. Okay. But, the pro- but regardless, to your point, is if I, as the owner and the managers, have done my due diligence going into opening my restaurant or my business, if I've done the due diligence and done the pre-work to think about these issues in advance, for some operate again, some of your listeners, it's no big deal. They don't care. For some other operators, not only is the legal issue a question, the safety issue, potential safety issue is a concern. Exactly what we've already said. Yep. So my, my point is, as a strong operator, think this stuff through, be ready, have an answer in advance of a hire so that I'm not course correcting behavior from somebody that acts suddenly like, well, geez, nobody ever told me, dude. Yeah. Got you. Got you. All right. So we're going to move to the next question. We've all been there. I'm sure you have been uh, just going through that stack of menus every night, pulling out the nasty, soiled, expensive pieces of paper, putting them aside, throwing them away. God, it's so frustrating. This is a line item that just gets the best of us. It destroys our budget and people are so freaking dirty. It's like, ah, Anyway, what if I told you that I discovered a piece of paper that's rip-proof and waterproof, 100% rip-proof and waterproof. This stuff is so durable, it's what the military uses to print their navigational maps and charts on. Like They trust this stuff, and now they're printing menus on it. Head over to TerraSlate.com paper.com to learn more guys i'm telling you this stuff is durable i've seen the owner kyle ewing throw this menu through a dishwasher to prove its durability again terra slate paper.com that's t-e-r-r-a-s-l-a-t-e paper.com and if you use promotional code unstoppable you will save 15 percent on your first order get after it Yo, guys, so if you're listening to this podcast, you're likely a restaurant or bar owner who wants to be a better leader, who wants to make more money, who wants to be more successful, who wants to work smarter, not harder, and you just want to be great, which means you know you can never stop educating yourself. If that sounds like you and you want to learn how to attract more new customers and get a competitive edge over your competition, sounds pretty good, right? Then you need to listen to this message. You got to listen. Just ready for it? Here it is. Leading industry expert. Nick Fosberg and past guest of Restaurant Unstoppable wrote what I believe to be the best how-to book on attracting new customers and creating highly profitable promotions on a shoestring budget. And because you're Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, he's going to give you this book not for $30 on Amazon, but you're getting it for free. Yeah, free. Go to freebrsbook.com right now and get a copy. Again, that's freebrsbook.com. Get your free copy while supplies last. So the next question I have for you, Rudy, is still under the topic of abusing alcohol and substances. And that's what happens if somebody's drinking at their place of employment, but off the clock, but like drinking excessively. Sure. Well, so to me, I am actually a big proponent of having team members be able to party and drink and be in my place of business, in the play, in their place of employee when they're off the clock. I think 
I think it adds team. I think it adds community. Mm-hmm. The, the response about what is too much goes back to what is our brand and what is our culture. So come in, be our guest. We want to see you. We want you to bring your, your buddies. We want you to bring your friends. And know that on the clock or off, you're representing the brand. So at I would treat my team member no different than any other guest. And at a .08 alcohol, um, we're going to be tracking weight and size of the team member and the number of drinks they're drinking an hour and the, the volume and treat them like any other guest and ask in response, please do come in. Please know we might even buy you a drink, but what we're not going to do is allow you to be obnoxious or offensive. But you know, that's, yeah. that's just not, that's just not who we are as a company. But at the same time, I feel like nobody should be in your establishment excessively drunk or offensive. True. So why would you make an exception for your staff? That's what I, I mean, well, exactly. My, <laughs> my sense of most of these questions, the, most of the questions that you've asked or that are coming in from readers uh, or, or your listeners of your show are questions that could have been dealt with in advance. Think about what my brand is and what the culture is of the business, mm-hmm. what the guest experience is. And to your point, exactly. I want I want my team in there. I, I, I'm, I'm an operator who has seen only value added over all the years when we let team members come in and partake as yeah. guests. We've, we've never seen a downside to it yeah. in my experience. Yeah. However, however, right out of the gate is exceedingly clear. Tr- be aware of the brand. Represent the brand yep. even when you're off. Now, and I'm right there with you too. I think having offering a shift drink uh, builds camaraderie, and it's it's good to be able to relax and uh, kick back and enjoy what your guests enjoy and get it from their perspective. Um, and like you said, it, it just helps us, you know, get closer. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like we as owners and leaders, managers, uh, whatever title you have, owe it to the next generation to to be a role model, to, to teach them how to like, you know, draw a line, like, okay, like, you know, what, dude, what was up with you last night? Like, you know, you work with these people, like, what, what do you want people saying about you? Like, what, what kind of person do you want to be? Like, you know, like a mentor, uh, is that going, is, is there a line? Should we not cross that line or should we be there as somebody that's not just a boss, but like, Hey man, like, who do you want to be? Like, what do you want to say about yourself? Your actions, man, you're always on a, like everything you do is a representation of who you are. Like, do you speak up or do you not say anything? Like, where do you draw that line? Well, personally, I love the idea of managers becoming mentors or team members becoming mentors to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, having camaraderie. This goes back again to this overused word of culture. Mm-hmm. What or brand? What is the brand? And I want, I want my team to be proud of the place they work in. I want them to be excited. I want them to feel like a team, hence the word team, member, as opposed to employee. Uh, From that is like we have a code of conduct. We perform at a certain level, right? And you do certain things. That's all. Okay. Uh, Is there anything else you want to add on to this 
discussion or should we move to the next question? No, I think we could move on to the next question. It feels to me a, a little bit like if if I'm if I'm as an owner falling victim to my staff, well, it's it's like slow down and yep. define who I want to be and be it mm-hmm. and put a line in the sand and then hire for it. Yep. I love it. Uh, and what do we do? This is the last question. What do we do when somebody blackmailed us with a negative comment or is threatening to blackmail us with a negative, negative comment or review online? Is there a way to handle a situation like that? You mean like a Yelp review, negative review? Yeah. Like if somebody wants to, uh, you know, drag our name through the mud online with negative reviews, um, and they're threatening to do that, blackmailing us with that over our head. Like what's, what's the best way to handle that situation? Well, the first is to preempt it by having only greatness come out of your restaurant. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Right. And the the first is never even allow to hold a standard. Again, all of these questions that you've asked uh, during this show have come from, I feel like a one down place. Uh, geez, I'm out of control. Yeah. How do I take how do I take control of my Yelp reviews or a negative comment? Is be so bulletproof, solid, consistent, excellent that a negative just fine. Put it up there, post it. You have a right to post it. Yep. Um, and what we'll do is do our best to accommodate and address the issue, but. Uh, that one negative comment will be the one out of hundreds that are positive. So I say nip it in the bud right out of the gate by defining excellence. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like the overarching lesson today. And, um, you know, and I encourage my listeners to write to me and to leave their questions. And I want to start doing more of this because one thing I like to say is if I don't know the answer, I guarantee you, I know somebody who does. I've interviewed over 350 people. Uh, I can get them on this platform to answer your questions. And like, it does seem like the answer, the overarching answer today, it comes back to culture. Uh, and if these things are happening, uh, you might more than likely have an issue with your culture and you need to get control of that. You need to, to identify and get clarity on who you are and what's acceptable behavior and what's not acceptable. Exactly. And then, and then hire from that place. My, my bet is behind every one of these questions that we've talked about on this show is the fear of, oh, my God, what if they quit? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, let them quit. Good. Uh, yeah, you, you get rid of those bad eggs. <laughs> you, you, you've got the wrong people anyway. Yeah, is to your point, and without being too redundant, is really define what I want, and then regardless of city size, regardless of my concept, regardless of my budget, interview on a regular basis. Look for people that match. Share with people, uh, applicants my values, share with them uh, what I want to see in terms of performance, and let the right people find me, hire by choice, not by accident. And if I wait, the last thing I'll say with that is if I wait to interview until somebody quits or even gives notice, it's too late. I need to be interviewing on a regular basis, looking for great people 
all the time. Yeah. And when somebody great walks in, hire them. Yeah, you always want to be raising that bar. If somebody comes in and they're amazing, keep raising that bar. When people know that their jobs, I mean, you don't want to threaten their jobs, but at the same time, you want to know that the bar is always being raised. And if somebody comes in and they're raising that bar, like get them on your team no matter what, because they will bring everybody else up to their level. And, um, you know, just listening to you talk, it brings me back to the first time we recorded together. Rudy, and I remember your advice. I quote you all the time, and it's that I think the question was, what's one piece of business advice you'd give my listeners? Uh, if you could go back in time, just give one piece of business advice to yourself. And, and you said, uh, paint the picture of perfection. And you've got to do that. And that you've got to paint the picture of what your culture is and what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Uh, you need something to, to give your people to shoot towards. Um, do you want to reflect on that at all? Is that a good time to use this quote? Yeah, no, that's great. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks for thanks for the quote. <laughs> no problem. Uh, all right. So, guys, I want to do more of this. If you have questions, if you have concerns, thoughts, things that don't come up on the show that you wish would come up on the show, let me know. I'll get an expert on the show to answer your questions. And uh, we're going to wrap up now uh, by calling somebody out. Rudy, who's one person that hasn't been on my show that you know of uh, that you think would be a great guest mentor? I think you still need to get Louis Bazil on. I, I got I got Louis on. He was a great. Oh, you did. Yeah, I well, did. There you go. I didn't know that he had appeared for you. That's I'll, great. I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link. Yeah, no, that would be great. Good. Well, um, who else? I think it might be time to have Nick Cirillo back. Nick Cirillo is coming back. I will make that happen for sure. And I want you to come back on the show uh, with a, a niche topic, something that you think you can drive. Uh, you know, some serious value onto my get my listeners. If you would come back, what would you want to talk about? I'm curious. Well, to me, the the issue of hiring keeps being this big buzz and keeps the I, I get questions on email and uh, Twitter all the time with it. And so I, I without overburdening, I think the hiring piece is is a big deal. I think maybe tied to that is around that kind versus nice. What, what does it mean to be kind and direct to people uh, from a place of care? Um, and what does that do to my bottom line? So that would be one topic. Another topic that we haven't talked much about that might be of interest to folks is uh, perhaps rather mundane, but inventory management cash flow management and profitability. Okay. Well, you're always, I actually, <laughs> you're always welcome back on this platform. Anytime you want to come back to discuss those topics, man, open door policy with you, Rudy, if we want to connect with you, uh, what's the best way to connect? Uh, if anybody's listening, they like your style, they want to learn more from, from you. Uh, how can we connect? Uh, my direct line is 303-413-0400. Or they can email me at Rudy at Mick with two eyes, M-I-I-C-K dot com, Rudy at Mick dot com. Awesome. And before I let you go, one more question. It seems like the answer uh, to, to all of today's questions was back to culture. Where, what's a good resource you can share with us to learn more about how to establish that culture? Let's get a, just a final call to action for the listeners before I let you go. Uh, if you go to foodable.com, 
we've got a book. I've got a 14-chapter book called The Leadership Cookbook, and it's all about culture and a lot of the topics that we've talked about today. Awesome. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 358. I'll link back to that cookbook for you to make it easy. And uh, Rudy, just thank you so much for uh, continuing to add value to my listeners. And I can't wait to get you back on the show, man. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you, Eric. And thanks to all your listeners. All the best. Cheers. All right. That was an awesome episode with my man, Rudy Mick. And I think it's safe to say that the moral of today's episode is it all comes back to culture and all these issues that we discussed, it seems like they, they stem or they can be traced back to a poor culture. And I realize that these questions are coming from a listener and I don't mean any disrespect and I don't mean to discourage people from writing into us. Uh, I mean, I kind of felt like we shit a little bit on this person and I, I didn't mean for it to come out that way. I love when, when my listeners write to me, but the truth is the cold, hard truth is, and the truth hurts to hear. Sometimes you've got an issue with your culture and the best way to deal with your culture is to commit to standards. You know, we, we talked about having those principles, having those core values. You got to take the time to write these principles out write out these core values, and then you have to live them every day. They're not just something that you say you are. I mean, our culture isn't who we say we are. Our culture is who we are. You need to live those things day in and day out. And it's not until after you've started living these things day in and day out that you'll start seeing a change in the people that you surround yourself with. But you need to enforce them, and you enforce them these values, these principles by living them every day and not letting any one of your people go against what you said you are. Awesome stuff today. Rudy, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And uh, guys, I have access to some of the most incredible minds in our industry. If you are in a gym, you can't afford a consultant. Not a lot of us can. We have small budgets, uh, but I can help you. Write me your questions. Write me your challenges. If I don't have the answer, I guarantee I know somebody who does, and I will get them on the show to help you, to answer your questions, uh, but you have to write me first, and you can connect me with you can connect with me by writing me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Instagram and Twitter, Eric Cacciatore, Facebook slash Restaurants Unstoppable. And keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. They help so much. Uh, What else? Uh, I can't think of anything else. I guess that means I have to go now. I love you all, and thank you so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.